1: Alright, great to have you with us here on the GM Shuffle. Hope everyone's getting their Christmas shopping done here. Just days away from Christmas and lots of great football this week. On Christmas Day you get Viking Saints and Saturday there's a triple header of football and this past Saturday we had a double header of football so it's A beautiful time right now. Weather's cold. Just stay inside and watch some football. It's a beautiful time for everyone except for the Jets. That's right. They win, but are they losing in the grander scheme of things? That's right. You know the team is not trying to lose. The players up there, they're working their ass off trying to win. They finally earned their first victory of a miserable season. But, of course, the Jets fans are saying, no, don't do this. We're trying to get Trevor Lawrence. What are you guys, nuts? Sam Darnold passes for 207 yards. They beat the Rams 23-20. We'll get to the Jets in a second, Mike. But how about the Rams, first of all? The Rams are contending for a division title right now. The fact that they laid an egg against this team. L.A. could have clinched a playoff berth with a win over the NFL's worst team after an extra-long
2: week of rest. Instead, they lose... And I mean, I don't know how the Rams lost this game. Well, you know, you lose this game when you have extra time, right? So they play the Patriots on Thursday night. They win. Big win for them. They come back. They kind of revenge that Super Bowl loss, even though they didn't play great and Goff turned the ball over. They still ran the ball effectively. So you give your players a bunch of time off. And then I don't think fans really understand the challenges that a head coach faces when he's playing against a team that's a 17-point dog. You know, and especially in December, if you don't start the game with some real, you know, momentum and some real intensity, then you you end up having to fight the battle for four quarters. Because in December, a lot of teams are willing to put the red, uh, willing to you know, be the French shoulder and French shoulder and, and and give up. You know, they're ready to put the white flag and say, "Okay, I've had enough." Right? You know, and if you jump on them quickly. It's over. Jacksonville, Baltimore yesterday. Okay, Baltimore jumped on them quickly. The, that was it. The, no mas, I'm over. Roberto Durand it, right? But if you don't and you hang, and let them hang around and all of a sudden, you know, you go in there and, and now it's a 13 to three at halftime, now you got a little bit of a struggle and you got to regroup. And I think the challenge for any young head coach or any head coach is how do I motivate my team? Not when we're playing the best teams, because that's easy. It's when we're playing a team that we're a 17 point dog. And this is when you have to really turn your asshole factor up. You've just got to become the biggest asshole. And you gotta walk around the building and you've got to be the asshole. You gotta complain about the pictures not being hung right. You gotta complain about the everything's wrong this week. I mean, you just have to be and because unless you have their attention, then you're gonna You're going to fall apart because you say, well, we're 17-point favorites. We can do this. We're L.A. We got plenty of things to do. Unfortunately, this is what happens when you do it. And then add in the fact that, you know, you're horrible on third down in the game. You know, you can't convert a third down. Goff's got that look that I'm convinced DraftKings should go to uh, Jared Goff and use him as a poster child for betting our in-game betting app. I mean, just put his picture up there and say, if you see this face, come come to us. Because, you know, when he has that look, when he has, in the Italian term, when he looks all Mouchard, you come get him. Because you're going to to win against him. And so, you know, and and that's what happened. I mean, yesterday he's 2-for-11 on third down. He's 0-for-1. They had six drives with five plays or less. They get a block punt and an interception. There's your recipe for how you lose no matter who you play. Just a terrible... Decision there for the Rams as they lose. Take
1: a listen, by the way, to Adam Gase as we turn our attention towards the Jets. The head coach in New York talking about an encouraging phone call he got from Sean McVay, the Rams coach, last week. Yeah, he just he
2: just said that, you know, watching the film, I mean, he called me at 7.15 our time, which I'm sitting there going, I know he, I can't believe he's at the office already because it's 4.15 here. And I'm like, I'm going to answer it just because I know he's he's up. So he wants to say something. So he just said, you know, watching the tape, he's like, man, these guys, they, they play hard for you. And he's like, I know things haven't gone the way you wanted, but he's like, just keep those guys grinding and keep, keep them pushing.
1: Well, classy move of Sean McVay. It ends up being a loss for his team. But of the nine teams in NFL history to start 0-13, the Jets were the fourth team to win in week 15. Now they and the Jacksonville Jaguars are both 1-13. And Jaguars, they, listen, they have the edge now on the, on the tiebreaker. So here's the remaining schedule. The Jets are facing the Browns, and they're at the Patriots. That's their last two games, versus the Browns at the Pats. The Jags are versus the Bears and at the Colts. And every Jets fan in the land, Mike, is saying, No, you had one job. We just wanted to tank for Lawrence. As you've said before, those players don't care. They're not trying to tank. They're trying to win out there. But the fan base is furious right now.
2: Yeah. And if I was Chris Ballard and the Indianapolis Colts, you know, I may play with 10 on each side in that last game because I don't want Trevor Lawrence in my division. Now you also have Trevor Lawrence has options, you know, as Puss had, you know, when Tony told Puss, you got options, Puss, you know, Trevor Lawrence has options. I wrote about this in the athletic. People are starting to write about it now. I wrote about it two months ago. This is the only draft he'll have options in. You know, Peyton Manning had options the year he came out. And the Jets had the first pick overall. And Peyton wanted to know who, if he was going to be the first pick and the Jets were going through their changes. You know, Parcells had just come in. They weren't, nobody would give him an answer. And so he said, fuck it, I'm going back in the draft. I'll go back and play at Tennessee. Trevor Lawrence has options. And he could either, he could say, look, I don't want to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars, although he's from Georgia. It's really, you're playing in South Georgia, essentially, when you're in North Florida, right? So it's almost as, other than playing in Atlanta, it's probably the closest place he could play in. So we'll see. But if I'm Chris Ballard, you know, in that game, and and I've got it wrapped up, and that game doesn't mean anything for the playoffs, I sure as hell will let them win that damn game so he can go into the AFC East and I don't have to deal with his ass. But that's not going to happen. That's just nice to talk about. But look, the Jets... The Jets should have beat the Raiders. I mean, we know that that that, that was really a horrible, horrible thing. They were, and everybody who thinks the Jets conspired the last play of the game have now been proven incorrect because they went out in Los Angeles and won another game. I mean, they had the they could have beaten the Patriots with Joe Flacco at quarterback. They played really well, and when they have their offensive weapons Perryman, Mims, and, and Crowder, they have three really good receivers that that you have to have match up. Darnold didn't turn the ball over yesterday, so he did. So now for the Jets, what do you do? Just Let's just play this out, AD. The Jets, you're, the, you're Joe Douglas. What Joe Douglas has to do is he has to put Sam Darnold on his draft board. because that's if he, Because Trevor Lawrence, for all the critics that said he wasn't the best player in the draft, I think we can shut them up now. Okay, Trevor Lawrence is, a, is an elite somebody. He's above everybody. So say you don't get the first pick in the draft and Trevor Lawrence goes one. Now you've got to compare Darnold to Justin Fields and you've got to do it without bias. Just because the new car looks good doesn't mean the old car can't run right, right? So you've got to be able to make that decision because why would you trade Darnold in if you're not getting something better, significantly better? This was a big Al Davis thing. Al Davis used to say to me all the time, I don't want to get a little bit better. I don't want to get incrementally, but I want to get a lot better. So if I have a 58 player, let's say on the roster, and there's a 59 coming down the street, by the time we train that 59 to know exactly what the 58 player knows, have we really improved the team? And, and the answer is, you know, no. It's a little bit like when Junior was giving Tony that advice about when they were sitting in the stands, you know, the old bull that runs down there and will fuck them all. You know, why if you're so anxious to do everything because you want to make a 59 workout, no, that doesn't work. Relax, calm down, have some patience. When we see a 64, let's go get him. And I think that's where Joe Douglas is. That's where Joe Douglas is. Of course, there should be a class on the Sopranos to teach NFL people how to, you know, we did it last week. It should be. But anyway, that's that's what should happen. Story of the bowl, one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> no, and it applies. I mean, like, how about all the poor people who saved the Rams, you know, in, in the survivor contest, right? The survivor contest, you could only pick one team a week and you have 17 weeks. Thanksgiving Day was a separate week. So you basically have... You have 18 weeks essentially. So you once you use the Chiefs, you can't use them again. Once you use the Browns, you can't use them again. Whatever. You know, nobody's using the Jets. Nobody's going to use Jacksonville. So there's really, you're looking at about you can only use 18 teams. So there's 14 you're never going to use. So you save the Rams for the Jets game in week 15. 16 people saved the Rams. 16 people saved them and they're eliminated from the tournament. So for me, the Rams fans are like, when Jackie Jr. was walking out of the boot end projects and he got shot from behind, I mean, they never saw this one coming. The poor Rams survivor picks, they never saw this one coming. Ugh. Now you could say Jackie knew he was going to get shot, but Jackie never saw Vito behind him. I could promise you that.
1: Yeah, Jackie Jr. was young, dumb, full of cum. You know, he had that arrogance and hubris about him. Good-looking guy. I, I actually like the parallels here with the Rams. It kind of makes sense. You're right. They're like a smooth car. They think they're all good. Boom. They don't even see it coming.
2: I mean, Sean McVay's calling. Sean McVay's calling Adam GaSe up. I, like, I think that's the phone call you make the Tuesday after the game, not before. Like, if I'm Adam GaSe, I hang up that phone and said, "I just got a phone call from the Rams head coach. He thinks you know. He thinks we're playing hard." He gave us a, a passive-aggressive compliment. Now let's go out and let's go out and play. I mean, I'm sure saw and saw what everybody else in the league sees that they play hard. They're not talented, but they play hard. But he couldn't get that message to his team, and that's really that's the hardest part of any coach is to how do you get your team ready to play against the team that you know you should beat.
1: It's well said. It was a classy phone call to do. But you're right. Why don't you wait till after the game or at least get the message across to your own team? Because clearly your own team, they took them lightly and they got burned for it. And now who knows what's going to happen in that division, which is awfully tight
2: right now after the Seahawks. You know what Parcells would have done? Parcells would have had posters built in the. In the Parcells would have had, you know, that, that, that quote that you just gave me about the 14th week? Yeah. He would have probably had posters made of that, you know, and he would have put cheese in everybody's locker. He would have like, he would have been a true asshole. Like he would have been, like this would have been his week that he would have just been the complete asshole. There would have been posters in the building He would have invented things. We're coming for you. You know, he would have done everything in his power to do that. Get that motivation
1: up. Don't take them lightly. Instead, you lose a game like that. It's just embarrassing for the Rams, and it's frustrating for the Jets. It's one of those no-win situations for either team. Uh, Let's move ahead to the the only matchup of teams that were over five hundred. That was the Chiefs and the Saints. The Chiefs went at 32-29. I think the score looks a little closer than it was, thanks to Breeze and the Saints' late touchdown. Mahomes, great as always. We got that. Let's talk about Breeze. He comes back from rib fractures and a punctured lung. Never seen this before. He completed less than half of his passes, 15 of 34. He gets intercepted, threw for 234. Yes, he had three touchdowns, but that incompletion percentage was jarring. It was very clear that he was not ready to come back. He either pushed Sean Payton to get him to come back, or I think that's the way it went. Breeze probably said, listen, get me in there. Even though he was not 100% and he did not look 100%, he was indecisive, he was rushing plays. Here is Sean Payton, the head coach, talking about Breeze's slow start.
2: Um, look, uh, offensively, we didn't start real well, and so it's hard to just, obviously you can point to one position, but I felt like our third down numbers weren't good enough today. I didn't feel like we ran the ball. Uh, efficiently when we tried, the snaps, the time of possession, all all the things you need against a a good offense like that. You know, we talk about time of possession in a game like this, and that, that includes converting third down. So overall, offensively, we weren't very sharp.
1: Well, Breeze actually started the game 0 for 6. i He'd never done that before. And if this is a Super Bowl preview, if it is indeed going to be the Saints and the Chiefs, we all know New Orleans isn't going to beat KC with Taysom Hill. And they sure as hell aren't going to win with Drew Brees playing like that.
2: Uh, it's not surprising I guess, Mike that he rushed to come back, but 15 to 34, I mean, he was bad. Yeah, I mean, Sean's right. They're 1 for 11 on third down in the game. You know, they have the ball 18-46 in the game. And, you know, here's the remarkable thing, AD, is since the Carolina game in week 9, the Chiefs have won by two, four, three, six, six, and three. And every one of those games, they're not as close as the score. They're just not. They're not as close. Now the Raider game by four, they, they had to win that late. That was close, right? So the Carolina and Las Vegas and the Carolina game was close. I mean, Carolina's trying a 50 a, a, a 60yard field goal to try to win the game. But Carolina held the ball 38 minutes, right? Carolina had the ball 38 minutes. The Chargers had the ball in week two, 39 minutes. Carolina had the ball week three, week nine. They had it 38 minutes. They lost by two. They got it, right? Vegas had the ball 35 minutes and they won. So the key, and Sean knew this more than anybody, is we have to convert third downs. We have to get them to the place where they have a lot of third downs. He did that. The Chiefs had 18 third downs in this game. They were nine for 18 converting third downs. The longest play the Chiefs had in this game was a run by Patrick Mahomes for 24 yards. The longest pass play was 23 yards to Watkins and Robinson. They each had one. So what the Saints said was, look, we're not going to give you the big play. You're going to have to take the check down. We're going to make this a third down game and see if you can do it. And they did. And they executed. They were really good on third down. They're 50% on third down. They didn't even have to go for it on fourth down, And then the Chiefs do what the Chiefs typically always do is they win the game at the end of the game with their offense. They close it out with their offense. So if you don't have the ball 35, 36 minutes, you're not going to beat this team. Carolina, I think Carolina and the Raiders had the best recipe for playing them. You've got to, you can't have turnovers. You've got to control the football and you've got to make, and you've got to score into the 30s to beat them. And the Raiders scored 40. Carolina only scored 31. But that's what happens. I mean, that's the only way you're going to beat them. Can Buffalo do that? You're going to have to, Buffalo's going to have to bottle that game plan up and control it that way.
1: And that's the thing for the Saints. Ultimately, are they going to be a Super Bowl caliber team I don't know. Perhaps they can get there, but I, I think like right now, Mike, if you look at that NFC, Green Bay feels like the best team. Again, I know there's questions about their deep, but the way Rodgers is playing and the questions about Breeze, I, I know there's only so much you can say for momentum going to the playoffs, blah, 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 but do you think it was that important that Breeze had to see the Chiefs? Like that was the one thought I was listening to the game. They were saying, "Well, Romo was saying maybe Breeze just felt like you know what I want to at least get a look at this Chiefs defense
2: if we have to face in the Super Bowl." Is there value in that, or was this a mistake that Breeze started? I think there is some value in in, in feeling the speed of it. I think so, the few times and you know when when I've been in big games, uh, you misjudge the speed of the game from the actual tape of the game. You can't judge it. But look, you know, they showed a lot of clips. I think not having Michael Thomas hurt them. And there's something going on with Kamara. I mean, they have yet to get Kamara involved in the last few weeks. I mean, it's really been an issue. I mean, Kamara had 11 rushes for 54 yards yesterday, you know, and he had three catches for 30 yards. I mean, Kamara walks out of that stadium with 14 touches. That ain't good enough. He's your best player. It's like, I, I mean, we'll talk about the Eagles later. It's like Miles Sanders. I mean, Miles Sanders has 12 rushes in the first half, you know, and, and one catch. And then the, the second half in a close game, he has five touches. Like, you got to get the ball to your best player. Miles Sanders is what is the Eagles' best player on offense. is the best player. And I think Sean's looking at this saying, look, we got to do a better job of getting the ball to Kamara because he's the guy who's going to make all of us better. It's not going to be little John Humphrey. It's not going to be Cook. Sanders did a nice job, but... I mean, at the end of the day, when you don't convert third downs, it's hard to get the ball to anybody.
1: That's a story there for the New Orleans Saints. We'll take a break in a second. Well, Let's do one more game, though. I want to talk about the Patriots and the fact they're eliminated from postseason contention. First time since 08. So NFL record run of 11 consecutive playoff appearances will end one year short of matching the Cowboys NFL record of 20 consecutive winning seasons. The Patriots is 6-8. and eight. Are going to finish at 500 or worse for the first time since 2000, the year they drafted Tom Brady. The Dolphins' ground game was amazing. Salvin Akma, the undrafted rookie, the veteran Matt Brady, 208 yards rushing as they went 22 to 12. Take a listen first off to head coach Bill Belichick about missing the playoffs. First time since 08. Just wondering your reaction
2: to that. Yeah, I'm disappointed, but we we didn't deserve to win today, so.
1: I know it's hard to maybe look ahead already, but does it change your message at all with your players that the playoffs are officially off the table? No, not too much. All right. Uh, Obviously, the normally taciturn Bill Belichick, unsurprisingly, I want to focus on Cam Newton, Mike, because he led all quarterbacks in rushing touchdowns. But this is a guy who clearly showed he's not the guy he was five years ago. I mean, five touchdown passes, 10 picks in 12 games coming in, nine of 12 starts, fewer than 200 yards passing, including five under 150. I mean, at first you said, oh, wow, one year deal its a bargain for seven and a half billion if he can be resurrected. But he clearly wasn't. I mean, his his career now is in two halves. He has been up until 2015, the MVP, Super Bowl run. He's been mediocre at best ever since then. And even with this team, he couldn't be resuscitated. I get the fact they don't have great uh, receivers, et cetera. He was banged up, the abdomen injury. Yep, COVID. But for one season at Cam Newton, this was not the turnaround that the Patriots were hoping for. He was a disappointment.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was. There's no doubt. And I think that I was disappointed. I thought earlier in the year, he looked like he could throw the ball effectively. And he just didn't really have command of the passing game like I've seen him have before or the loose playability that he had before of running around. Like He was more like Jalen Hurts was for the Eagles than he is for the Patriots. He kind of gets caught from behind a little bit. And even though he's a powerful man, I think the injuries have taken a... A toll on his body, especially with his arms. So that's that. That's a concern. But I think there's bigger issues in, in New England than just Cam. He's going to get all the attention. And when you only score 15 points in the last two weeks and don't have a touchdown, you know that that'll take the spotlight away from you. But I mean, this is such a, a untypical Patriot defense. I mean, the last two weeks they've given up 186 and 250 yards rushing. I mean, they've only allowed. Hundred and thirty-two yards passing against Goff and and Tua threw for one thirty-three yesterday, as long as pass play was fifteen yards. I mean, and they just can't set the edge on defense. They they can't create negative plays with their defense. Their team speed on defense has been lacking. And, you know, when you're in these nail biter games and you or your offense can't score a lot of points, your defense has to be able to control the run game and and they just couldn't do it. So this is gonna be an interesting Rebuild for Coach Belichick. Obviously, he's going to have to figure out the quarterback position, can be in a free agent. He's going to have a draft pick in the team, something he's never had before since a long time ago. And he's going to have to rebuild the team in in a style that he feels fitting. They got to improve the defensive line. You can't win with a defensive line that can't control the line of scrimmage. And they don't have that right now. They can't set an edge against anyone. And when teams run the ball this easy against you, then it's a real problem. And it becomes a tap, because here's what you know about the Patriots. And this is why you have to be really careful. The Patriots, it's not their scheme. It's not their coaching. It's the players. You're just not good enough. And I think that's ultimately what you find here. And it's going to be a rebuild and he's going to have to do it. He's got a ton of cap room. They're going to have to open up the bank account. They're going to have to start paying some players to get this, to get what they want, because they can't, they're no longer on that austerity program. We're only going to play, you know, Tom Brady's the highest paid player. They're going to have to fix this. And now's the time to do it. Now that that they have the muscle in terms of the, the cap room, they got to rebuild the team. But it starts more than just at quarterback. It's quarterback. But there's other areas that really need huge improvement. Yeah, the Dolphins in the season had 250
1: yards. That's the most allowed by New England in seven years. It's your point with the defensive line. Clearly was leaky, especially on this Sunday. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about the Buffalo Bills. Now, the changing of the guard in the AFC East as they win the division title. Plus, Carson Wentz reportedly unhappy in Philly. And the Bears keep their playoff hopes alive. Don't go anywhere.
0: All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness, that's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do? Go check out the PXG Black Ops driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com/gmshuffle and use code GM Shuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com/gmshuffle. Code GM Shuffle for free shipping on all equipment. pxg.com/gmshuffle. slash Code GM Shuffle.
1: But well, with the Patriots' loss, the Bills' gain. They are ready for the playoffs. They just hammered the Broncos, 48-19. to And Josh Allen, another huge game. He throws for 359 yards. He tied Jack Kemp's record of 25 career touchdown runs with his second touchdown scamper, and his passing touchdowns, two of them, gave him 30 for the year. He needs three more passing touchdowns to tie Jim Kelly's record, or four to break his record. And the problem early in his career, Mike, uh, obviously not accurate enough. He was at 56% a couple years ago. That's what's stunning. He's on pace for the franchise record completion percentage in a season. Currently, at 68.7%. They're going back to the playoffs. They're going to win the division first time in 25 years. Uh, E60, one of our listeners here, he says, I want to know, how did Allen
2: go from the doubts in the doghouse to being an MVP candidate? Your thoughts on Josh Allen? I mean, he starts his career off. He's 52.8% completion percentage, which he was at Wyoming. The next year, he improved slightly at 58.8%. You know, And this year, he's at 68.7. I mean, the kid really did a great job of improving himself in terms of his accuracy. I think Brian Dayball's done a really good job, the offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, of him being able to understand what he needs to have to make him effective. And I think this Cole Beasley signing has been critical for them because Beasley gives them—he's part of the running game. I mean, Beasley has 79 catches for them. He averages 12 yards a catch. So he's kind of like the the check—I don't want to call him a checkdown guy because he's averaging 12 yards a catch. But he gives them some juice in some easy throws where Allen can get the ball out of his hand and he can get confident with throwing the football. And, you know, look, I, I doubted it would happen. I, I, I was completely wrong on this in the sense that I just never feel— and I, I'm going to stick with this even though Allen's proving me wrong— uh, I, I never believe a guy can change his accuracy. I think it's really a hard thing to do. I think anybody who's studied quarterbacks over time realizes this. But this kid has really done a tremendous job of improving his accuracy. Is he ac- and especially where I think it shows up more than ever is between the the, the one and 10-yard line. From one yard to a 10-yard throw, he's at 74% completions. He's thrown 23 touchdowns in that range and six interceptions. Now, when he expands a little bit, it's not as good. He's 56% over 11 and 20. That's where he throws his interceptions. He's got 12 career interceptions thrown there. But I think what he's done a tremendous job of, those short throws. And Beasley has been the guy. He's been the Julian Edelman, the Damian, Danny Amadola, the Wes Welker for this offense. And it's really helped. And you got to credit Dayball for being able to do that. And I think the other factor, too, is he's much better when he is playing from in front. When he's winning and he's playing with the lead, he, he is really a much better thrower. He's at 64%. When he's losing games, he goes down to 57, and they've done a great job of getting him off to a fast start. This football team has played well in the first quarter. They've kind of gotten it going. So, you know, I, I think they've done a great job. I, I, everything about this team, I liked going into the season, except for the quarterback's accuracy. That's what I was most concerned about, and he's proven me wrong. And Buffalo is a contending team. I mean, they have the quarterback that they need, and they have and they have the ability to coach, especially defensively. I mean, defensively, they kind of scheme it up. They do a good job. And Allen makes plays for him. He's so hard to tackle. I mean, look, the guy... The guy's hard to get on the ground.
1: Yeah, and Allen has made giant strides this season. I know Chris Collinsworth last week was doing that breakdown about how they worked with his throwing motion. You know, you got to go with your hips first, then you go the elbow, then you go the hand. So it's been certainly um, a big change for him. Diggs, 11 catches for 147, but you mentioned Beasley. Eight catches for 112. That's the dynamic duo who have been so critical to him offensively. And of course, as you mentioned, a great head coach in Sean McDermott. Here's what he had to say about Buffalo. Let him go through some lean years. You know, anything you try and do that's worth doing, you got to work hard at it. And there's been good moments and there's been some times where I know people have questioned things or as we said earlier, I think it was 2018 when, you know, we were asked a lot about what we were doing and how we were doing it when we were six and 10 that year. And, you know, a lot of that
2: was necessary growing pains and just really appreciate the way people believed in us and believed in our message. The other side, by the way, the Broncos continue to be a disaster. Go ahead, Mike. Well, I just think to me, you know, when you break down their season, I mean, they, they, they're really a 12 and two team right now. I mean, the, alley, the, the Hail Mary against Arizona is, you know, those are just one of those things you just happens to you. But, I mean, the game that, you know, they played Kansas City, and once again, they only had the ball against Kansas City for 22 minutes. Kansas City, and they only had nine third downs in that game you know they only had 206 yards rushing in that 206 yards total in that game so they play Kansas City they they they're not going to beat them scoring 17 but they give them a threat tennessee was the game that they they just didn't play as well but i mean the last 4 weeks of their win streak they've won by 10 10 11 and 29 i mean denver i mean look elway if he doesn't realize he needs a quarterback, I mean, I don't know what he's going to think about doing, you know, whether they fire Vic Fangio, Vic, you know, Vic and try to get another coach in there. But clearly they need a quarterback. And Denver, unfortunately on Saturday night, uh, they had nobody. I mean, then nobody in their secondary. It was one of the locks of the week. You know, I, I was on my Twitter page. I was 0 for 4 on my picks this week, which was a disaster. But you know, the, the the day before, I I was two two and zero because I had Buffalo because there's no way Buffalo was not going to be able to torch Denver and then Carolina backdoor covered Green Bay so. But my point here is, is that Denver's just wasn't healthy. And I think that's a big thing we got to look at as, as we go forward the playoffs. And next year, what's Denver going to do? I mean, they got to get a quarterback.
1: Yeah, that loss for the Broncos, 5-9, fourth consecutive losing season, something that hasn't happened in Denver since the 1960s and early 70s. They also became the first team ever in football history to go five years without making the playoffs following a Super Bowl title. Think about that. Like you, you, you can climb the mountain. You can't even make the playoffs. Like what a disastrous descent
2: it's been for John Elway. And I know he walks on water in Denver, but enough's enough, Mike. This is bad. He'll get no heat at all. I mean, he'll get no, he'll get no pressure. He'll get none of it. I mean, you know, he, he's, he's the king of uh, of being able to escape it. You know, because he's got that Super Bowl and he's, he's John Elway. But at some point, you've got to sit there and look at his team. I mean, five years in a row without making the playoffs. Christ, they're ready to run Belichick out of New England. I mean. You know, I, I, I'm I on WEI every week and they're talking about how, you know, is Belichick the right man to rebuild the franchise? You know, like he has no grace period. I mean, always five years, he hasn't produced anything and he and, and he and he gets away with it. But that's just the NFL. I mean, there's certain if you have a political, if you have political capital, you can use it. I, I, why Belichick doesn't have political capital, I don't know, but that's just the way it is. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, what have you done for me lately? I guess in terms of Bill, which doesn't make any sense. Cardinals and the Eagles. Arizona bounces back. Kyler Murray had a career-high 406 passing yards as they beat the Eagles 33 to 26. They're trying to make the postseason for the first time since 2015. They're uh, third place in the division behind the Rams and Seahawks. They're currently the seventh and final seed in the NFC playoffs. As I said, Murray was great, 27 to 36. As far as Jalen Hurts is concerned, second career start. 24 of 44 for 338. His guy throws for 338 after 167 a week ago and three touchdowns. But Philly was playing without three of its four starters in the secondary because of injury. So clearly Kyler Murray lit them up. The question now becomes: What's going to happen with Carson Wentz? Uh, ESPN story, I believe, from Adam Schefter, saying that Wentz not interested in a backup role would want to move on from the Eagles if the current situation continues in Philadelphia, which is Hertz is the starter. Before we dive into that, here's head coach Doug Peterson on Hertz's play and who is going to start next week. Doug,
2: yeah, I thought he, uh, you know, had great poise out there, great leadership. Uh, played, uh, uh, played obviously physically tough, mentally tough. Um, made some really good throws down the stretch, especially in the second half when, when we kind of had to you know, put a couple drives together. So, you know, played, played really well, take care of the football. I mean, those are all things we talk about and, and, and he's able to do that plus, uh, plus uh, lead, lead the team into, into the end zone. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll probably have a decision for you, uh, you know, tomorrow on, on next week.
1: Uh, according to player and team sources telling ESPN's Chris Mortensen last weekend, Hertz will remain the start of the season. That was before Hertz's performance in that loss against the Cardinals. According to Adam Schefter's report, there are teams expected to inquire about trading for Wentz, including the prime candidate of the Indianapolis Colts. Phillip Rivers nearing the end of his football career. The Colts have Frank Reich, Wentz's former offensive coordinator and key assistant coach in the Eagles Super Bowl run in 2017. What do you think,
2: Mike? You know, I think, first of all, Schefter doesn't get this wrong. I mean, Schefter's wired in a Philadelphia organization. Have you ever seen Schefter get anything wrong in that building? No. The answer is no. Uh, So this obviously is coming. I think Wentz feels like he's the fall guy. He's the patsy. You know, I mean, you know, last week against New Orleans, they tailored the offense to the quarterback, right? This week, they didn't. You know, once again, uh, Miles Sanders, their best weapon on offense. I mean, think about this. Miles Sanders is, he averages... 5.4 yards per per run, right? He averages seven one per catch, and yet they don't get him the ball. He had five touches in the second half in this game, in a one point in in a in a close game. And so, and this is one of the games I lost because the Eagles couldn't kick an extra point. I mean, I lost this game, I lost Tampa, uh, um, when they wouldn't kick the field goal at the end of the game, they had a chance to come back in that game. And then, of course, I lost. The 49er one pissed me off. But other than that, I mean, so I, I, I'm sorry. I digressed on my, on my betting recommendations. But my point here is they don't do anything to help the quarterback. And people are all excited in Philadelphia about Jalen Hurts. And they have every reason to be excited about him. I mean, he's looked really good. I mean, he's, you know, he's been able to do some things. He's thrown the ball down the field. He averages a yard 0.27 yards per attempt more than, 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 than Wentz did. But the, the reason is for that. Here's the reason. Is Hertz hasn't gotten hit as much. Wentz has gotten the shit kicked out of him. So Wentz is the old boxer, Right, who's taking too many hits, and he doesn't look down the field, and he's tired of getting hit. Hurts is the young boxer who will keep punching and look down the field. But at some point, Hurts is going to run into a brick wall, and he's going to get too many hits. Because the guy, the way the guy sets up the game plan, he just calls pass plays. Just pass, 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 pass. I mean, think about it. He's in a one-score game, and he, he never really gets his best player involved in the offense. And everybody walks out of the building saying, well, you know, it was a tough loss. Hurts played well. Nobody analyzes how the game went. You know, it's nobody, just like when he goes for it on fourth down, nobody says his 37% uh, you know, rate on fourth down. They just say, well, Doug's going to go for it. Like, seriously. And, and now, yesterday, they didn't have their field goal, their, their holder was out. So it really made a problem for them. But my point here is, is I think Wentz is fixable. I don't know if Wentz is fixable with with Peterson. I think there's a mutual, I think there's some disconnect between Wentz and Peterson because he's become the fall guy for the problem. And I'm not sure that over time, Hertz isn't going to be in the same boat as as uh, as Wentz is in, you know, it's like that old Twilight Zone episode where the, they overthrow the dictator. And as he's walking out, the dictator says, you see this mirror? This mirror is a powerful mirror. When you look in this mirror, you'll see who your, all your enemies are. Well, you know, of course, naturally, you look in the mirror and you see all the, every you start inventing enemies. Well, Hertz has, will start looking in the mirror and he's going to start feeling a lot of people coming after him all the time too, now that he's the starter, if he doesn't start producing. I just think the Eagles are a bad, bad, game management run offense that they rely on players that are not their best players. And they walk out of the stadium and no one says, why didn't Miles Sanders touch the ball?
1: Yeah, he's your best offensive weapon. As my buddy Irv was saying, he goes, Hurts is like a poor man's Lamar Jackson. He goes, that's just not going to be sustainable with that offensive line. Eventually you're going to get hurt. The crazy thing is this. I thought the Eagles would be done with the loss. No, they're in last place in the NFC East with two games left. They can still win the division. They need to win both games versus Dallas and Washington. They need Washington to lose to the Panthers next week. And they need the Giants to lose to either the Ravens or Cowboys. As Jeff McClain tweeted, likely, no. Possible, yes. That's how bad it is right now in the NFC East. Uh, one more game before we get to our weekly awards. The Bears are still alive for a playoff spot. This is stunning. They beat the Vikings 33 to 27. And the reason, as you just mentioned, with game planning and Doug Peterson, too much passing, well, Matt Nagy finally figured out, how might just run the football? David Montgomery, the running back, rushed 32 times, a career-high 146 yards. They ran all over the Vikings. And now the Bears at 7-7. and They're one game back at Arizona for the final card spot. They never trailed in winning at Minnesota for a third straight year. Uh, Nagy's now five and one against the Vikings. Their playoff chances are now douched. Like they're done. Dan Bailey, by the way, missed three extra points, four field goals over the previous two games. Nearly lost his job. He was fine. He was actually perfect. Three extra points and two field goals, but take a listen first, Mike, to Nagy on Montgomery stepping up. You, you guys need to see the way that he practices every day. I mean, and he just finishes every run down to the goal line and comes on back for the next play. And he cares so much. And the the big O line are, are blocking their tails off for him. And it's just, we're, we're in sync there. The tight ends getting in there and blocking the wide receivers sticking their nose in there and blocking. It's an unselfish offense right now, which I like. In a game like today, uh, with the big O line and then with David following behind them, it was pretty neat. The Bears now 30 or more points their last three games. What a novel concept, Mike. Run the football.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, and, and you could say the Bears have turned the corner. I mean, they've scored twenty-five in a loss to Green. Uh, they scored twenty-five in a loss to Green Bay. They've scored thirty in a loss to Detroit. They scored thirty-six in a win and thirty-three in a win. Now, the last three weeks that, that they've run the ball for 140, 169, sixty-nine, one ninety-nine. I mean, none of these three teams that they've played the last three weeks are any good on defense. Let's put things in perspective. I mean, and if they give Mitchell the fifth year or they pick up his option after this then they're just, they're they're lying to themselves. They, you know, they're they're going to get shot. They're going to get into a situation where they play a team and they're going to get punched in the mouth. I mean, look, it's an improvement when they played Minnesota. Remember they played him on Monday night with Nick Foles. He had 149 yards of total offense. You know, at least now they figured out to get the ball. I wonder what Nagy was watching. I mean, David Montgomery just didn't start running it. I mean, you know, so at least they're able to 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 recognize that they need to run the ball. They've had 31 rushing attempts, 23-42. They're managing the game to help their defense, which is critical. I mean, look, they're going to run the ball against Jacksonville this week. They're down in sunny California, sunny Florida. Then they play Green Bay at home where the game's going to mean something, right? Green Bay's going to need to win that game, and we'll see if they, they can probably run the ball in Green Bay. But can they beat Green Bay? That's going to be the key question. I mean, right now they're 7-7. Seven and seven. Let's say they split their eight and eight. Does that get them in? I don't know, but does it save all the jobs in Chicago? I would think it does.
1: Yeah, it's it's almost a worst case scenario. I think because I'm like, you know what? If you make the splash, people will think, oh, they're vindicated in what Nagy, Pace, and Trubisky have done. But it's like, no, like you're you're still not a good team. To your point, you're you're. Listen, are you getting results? Yes, but you're opportunistic against some poor defenses. You should have been better than your record indicated, and that means then you're going to pick up Trubisky for another year? It's actually fool's gold. If I'm a Bears fan, I'd actually like to lose, miss the playoffs, and everyone realizes we need change here at the head coaching position, the GM, and the quarterback. Speaking of change... Just came down, we're taping this Monday morning, Carolina Panthers announced they fired their general manager, Marty Herney. The second Marty Herney era is over in Charlotte. Panthers owner David Tepper saying in a statement, I think sometimes you just need to restart, a refresh. We did it last year on the coaching side. Maybe you could say it should have been done before on the GM side. Maybe it should have been. I'm sure some people may say that or otherwise on both sides. I think it's just time on both sides to do that. It just seems like
2: the right time to move forward. The Panthers are 4-10. They've got a good coach in Matt Rule. Now they need a GM. You know, I think that, you know, Marty had kind of helped him with the transition. I'm not sure this is as much as Marty maybe walking away than, than just kind of getting, you know, sent out to pasture. I think it's, you know, whenever you hire a guy like Matt Rule who has his program and Marty's from another program, it's it's kind of like, uh, it's trying to mix two things together that sometimes doesn't work out. So I think Tepper's a great owner. And I think Tepper will figure out what he needs to build as an organization, much like the... the, the uh, The Buffalo Bills have done in terms of getting a partner with Rule, works with him together, and then they can build from there. So, you know, Marty, does he go to Washington and help out his friend Ron Rivera? That would fit him perfectly. Maybe he does. Maybe he just kind of sits back and retires. We shall see. But obviously, this is Rule, and Rule's going to participate in the search for the coach, which Rule's going to be united with this coach from the beginning with this GM from the beginning.
1: All right, that's the story there in Carolina. We come back, weekly awards plus a Monday night football conversation. Do not
0: go anywhere. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Time now for the weekly awards. After a week like this, Mike, only two weeks left to the
2: NFL regular season. Who's going on the lam? Well, I mean, that's an easy one. I mean, right? I mean, when you lose to the Jets at home, at home, not even in the cold. I mean, I could get if I could get if uh, if golf was playing back there and it was freezing, right? But you lose on the home a, a, at home to the Jets, and it, you need this game for everything. I mean, I, I'll get, I'll, I'll forsake losing by winning by three or five, like the Steelers when they went into Dallas and they were playing Garrett Gilbert, and they they kind of found a way to win by five. Okay, I get, but to lose to not be able to close the game out, and golf playing like he did, wow. That, that that That's definitely West Cape, West Cape May, uh, a lamb-ish. You got to go on the lamb on that one. And I feel bad for the survivor bettors too, AD. I mean, you turn that card in. That's the one thing you learn about betting. I, and I don't mean this as a, to offer any excuses. There's certain things you can't control. You know, yesterday I was 0 for 4 in my picks. And I, I get killed with an extra point. I get killed with a with a a, a fourth down spot in the Tampa Atlanta game that was ridiculous. It wasn't even a first down. And if that's not a first down, Arians is going to kick the field goal to go up seven, which is going to allow me to cover. They gave him this ridiculous spot, which no one thought it was the right spot. But that's just what it is. And so you said there, and I love when people say, Lombardi, you're 0-4, you don't know shit. Okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You know, But you, you look at your situation, you look at your model, like all the people that turned in the Rams and Survivor can look at themselves and say, I don't think we could have done anything more. We played it perfectly. We j- it just didn't work out. That's the one thing Betty teaches you. You must be stick to your process more than anything. That's why I think Annie Dukes is right about in her book about how thinking in bets is really the bet because it, it aligns you with your process. And so you, you don't become result-oriented because sometimes the results don't always work out in your favor, even if you have it. Like, do I think I had the Bucks-Falcon game handicap right? Yep, I sure do. Do I think I had the... Uh, the uh, Eagle game handicap right? Yes, I sure do. Do I think I had the San Francisco-Dallas game handicap right? No, I screwed that up. I thought Nick Mullen would not have to participate in the game, and yet he did. He threw four interceptions. He killed me. That's, that's on me. That's not the process, right? So this is the thing I love about, and I don't bet, as you know, AD, I don't bet. The thing I love about it so much is that it forces you to stay within the process. And not get frustrated because there's certain things you can't. I mean, I've had some horrendous bad beats this year, horrendous, horrendous. You know, uh, what's his face? Nick Chubb runs out on the one-inch line. I mean, I've had some, and I've also had some some things that have kind of worked in my favor. So you just learn to stay with the process. And I think the survivor betters, you just feel. I feel so bad for them because what else would they have done? They saved the Rams for the perfect weekend. And they got beat.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, on paper, this is why I don't bet. I'm with you. That's why I don't gamble. Because I'm like, that makes perfect sense. You'd pick the Rams against the Jets. As you said, at home, and that happens, buyer beware. How about the Fred Palermo award? This goes hand in hand. What You were just saying, right? The best game
2: plan going into the week. What a job by Adam Gase and the Jets. Gets that phone call from Sean McVay, and they were fired up. Yeah. I mean, seriously. I mean, look, you can say what you want about Gase, and you can say what you want about the Jets. But, but. Sean McVay's right. I mean, they're playing hard. I mean, even the Seattle game, as bad as it got, their field goal kicker screwed them up, and then the game went to hell. The Seattle game is the perfect example of if you don't jump on a bad team early, you're in for a dogfight. The, the Seattle got fortunate. That game was back and forth, they, and, and they missed those field goals, and Seattle extended the lead and got it, and they were able to move away. That's the key to, that's the key to December football. Start fast. Jump on them. Make a bad team play from behind. And they'll just they'll just pack it in. But the Jets, the, you know, they hung in there. They played tough. You know, they my man Will Hill, he sent me a text when they, they didn't kick the field when they went kick the field goal, you know, instead of going for it. Mr. I'd never want to punt. I, I, I never want to kick a field goal. I, I wonder how he was enjoying the Giants yesterday as 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 my there's another one I lost. Okay. I had the Giants, AD. And, and, and my man, Joe Judge, has decided he wants to become Doug Peterson and go for it and, and run fake field goals and not take three. When has three points become so bad to take? Can somebody explain this to me? Why is not getting three points a good thing?
1: I know. This is just, uh,
2: I guess these guys just get greedy, right? They just feel like they want to just go for it. I mean, the analytics, all that kind of stuff, is that part of it? I, I, I don't understand it. Like, why is three points so bad? It's just, uh, it kills me. But anyway, the Jets' best game plan. I love it. I think they did a great job. All right. If you don't know, now you know. How about your main takeaway from this week of football? I think Trevor Lawrence is great. Period. End of story. Like, he's a generational talent. There's just no denying it. Do not deny that. Like, I don't want to hear that, that Justin Fields is as good as him or this guy. This guy's a generational talent. And he's going to play really well, whether he can beat Alabama or not, I don't know. Florida put a bunch of points on Alabama, we'll see. But he's the first pick in the draft, whether he decides to come out this year or next year. Does he want to play in Jacksonville or does he not want to play in Jacksonville? That's the question. He has all the options. But the main takeaway from football this weekend is Trevor Lawrence is great. Definitely is that. College football playoff,
1: by the way, if you didn't watch a second of college football this year, he said, let me guess, the top teams are going to be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Like, yeah, you'd be right. Jimbo Fisher was upset. He wanted Texas and m to crash the party at the number five seed. But a fairly predictable decision, by the way, Mike, when it comes to the College Football Playoff Selection Committee.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know what Jimbo wanted them to do. I mean, Notre Dame has, uh, you know, I th- do I think the ACC is as good as the Southeast? No. Notre Dame went through it. They did what they had to do they they beat Clemson once which is the one of the teams in there. Texas A&M had their chance to play somebody really good they couldn't do it. And you know, the Alabama smoked them that was early in the year, but I don't know what else A&M can do. I think it would be great to watch A&M play uh Cincinnati in a bowl game. I know they're not going to do that, but to me that four spot would have been great to see Notre Dame and A&M play it off to see who gets the four spot, you know, like have a wild card, but I mean, look, this is just what we're in. There's always going to be a team complaining. You know, there's always going to be a team complaining. AM's got a lot of good players, but they're always going to be a team complaining. I think they got the four. I think they got it right. I really do. I think the way they bracketed it too was right. Alabama plays Notre Dame. Because what they did was that then Clemson plays Ohio State, and ultimately it sets itself up for Clemson, Ohio, Clemson, Alabama.
1: Yeah, I was about to say, you want to see Trevor Lawrence against Alabama and Bama's offense. I mean, that game against Florida, I mean, man, Mac Jones put over 400 yards passing. I mean, it's Again, Nick Saban's team, they put up 51 points, able to beat the Gators. That could be a lot of fun to see Alabama against Clemson. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence in the big showcase game in the national championship, if they get there. Uh, last topic, Monday Night Football preview. The Steelers at 11 and 2 against the Bengals at two ten and 1. Never before has there been a team 11 and 2 with so many questions around it than the Steelers. They can't run the football. Offensive line's shaky. Big Ben can't go down the field. Well, good news for you. You got the Bengals minus Joe Burrow. This should be a good confidence-building win, I would think, for Pittsburgh, Mike.
2: Yeah, and the line opened up at 12.5, and and now it's all the way up to 14.5. And Uh, and and how about this, AD? The line's at 14.5, and and the under is at 40. So they don't think the Bengals are going to score. They don't think the Bengals are going to score whatsoever. So, you know, to me, it's a lot of points to lay. But with Ryan Finley playing quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, look, the Bengals are going to have, I think they have the third pick in the draft right now. I mean, I I think the question for the broadcast tonight is just like, seriously, what are the Bengals going to do? You know, are they going to continue? They had the first pick overall last year. Zach Taylor hasn't made this team one bit better. Do you think they're going to criticize Zach Taylor in the program, or are we are going to say, always oh, building his foundation? I mean, seriously, what are we going to get tonight?
1: No, I was going to say, there's no Zach Taylor criticism coming up tonight. Everyone just says, oh, the Bengals, at least Joe Burrow's good. Oh, it's bad news. Joe Burrow got hurt. Otherwise, the Bengals are fine.
2: Terrible. And this is classic example of a coach who really didn't help his quarterback. I mean, seriously, help the quarterback. Help them protect. Chip the guy on the right edge. You your tackles can't block. You know, I know it looks pretty to get five in a route, but you can't get five in a route. You know, you're just going to have to punt. You know, the key, the number one job of a head coach, offense court is to keep the quarterback healthy.
1: Yeah, it's going to be an ugly game, like you said, twelve point. Uh, at least on the board right now for Steelers. We'll see what happens. Last bit of pop culture news. We mentioned Talking Sopranos last week. Annabella Sciorra made an appearance. They just released today. You and I are going to be all over this. Episode 39 with Michael Imperioli and Steven Shripa. They're going to talk with David Chase. 90 minutes with the Sopranos creator in which he shares his intimate thoughts about the show. Complicated relationship with James Gandolfini
2: and more. I can't wait, man. 90 minutes with David Chase. I, I can't wait either. I mean, one of my favorite episodes is... Is at the end, if you buy the disc of season one, Peter Bondanovich interviews Chase at the end of it. And it's just fabulous. I could watch that repeatedly. It's so good. Just to get into the mindset of how he wrote these characters and his whole idea about when he was writing the Rockford Files over at this woman's house and he saw the ducks in this woman's pool and he took that idea. I mean, it's just, it's just so, as a writer, it's just so inf- informational that you just kind of go and say, wow. But No, I'm looking forward to it. I I got a lot of time here to work on stuff and I can have it play in the background. So I'm excited for it.
1: I love it. Jim Rock for $200 an hour plus expenses. We'll have a new episode of the GM Shuffle this Wednesday. Uh, Get you set for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Of course, there's a game on Christmas Day, Viking Saints and a triple header on Saturday. Thanks as always for checking out the GM Shuffle. We'll talk to you in just a couple of days.